Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's going to pop eight, and you're going to pop her out. Man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls deep portion of it. <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. Like, like Mex- Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Hello again, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. This is episode number 60. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. On the line with me are uh, Adrian. What's up, man? Como esta, Patricio? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no response. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, over that. <laughs> we're going to skip, we're going to skip right over to Jerry. Yeah. Hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing alright, guys. Uh, what's been going on with you guys, man? I haven't, I feel like I haven't talked to Jerry in a while. Yeah, yeah I, I did him pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. You still have my stifles. <laughs> I do still have your stifles. Oh, the other day I'm like, oh, maybe I'll sleeve up rug for fun. Oh, wait. <laughs> See, that, that's why I don't borrow cards. I'd rather just buy them. I don't like being in that position. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't. I don't ever let people borrow my cards. I just borrow them from people. Good. So yeah, I just, I'll, I'll just buy them from people. No, I, I like it because it just makes me have creative deck editing. Because instead of playing Rug Delver, I played uh, a pile. <laughs> Rug Delver with trick buys. So because Bat had my stifles, I just basically threw away my buy-in for the day. Yeah, I I, uh, I played Grixis Reanimator Transformational Sideboard into Grixis Delver. That's all. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god, I was getting a lot of laughs out of the uh, the tournament. So. I didn't win that tournament, but it was well worth it. <laughs> Did you at least place fifth? Uh, I dropped because, well, uh, man, I'm getting ahead of myself. I can't. This was all on Black Friday, so it was a whirlwind day. Uh. Um, so I b- dropped early uh, because I basically traded in my entire trade binder to check off one of my legacy bucket list items, and I am now the proud owner of a tabernacle. No way. Yeah, I was That's so pretty pumped. That's pretty baller, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, huge shout out early scooping the top eight to gaming, etc. Out in Acton. Um, I actually, I actually was trading with the owner of the store, who's you know the nicest, nicest lady. I, I believe it's Christine. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I didn't clarify, so if I'm saying it wrong, I apologize. But really, really nice, and they are having a. I've been eyeing the tabernacle in the case for like the last three weeks, and then I go in there on Friday, and they're having a Black Friday sale where it's 10 percent off. Um, so I just decided, all right, t- today's the day, and basically just cleaned out my trade binder and uh, got a- got the tabernacle for pretty pretty damn cheap. So I was I was happy. Nice. So didn't win the tournament, but I felt like a winner at the end. Sometimes you see a deal, you just got to jump on it, man. You know? Yeah. I mean, well, ten percent off a tabernacle was like seventy five dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's not nothing for sure. <laughs> so definitely definitely worthwhile, but. The deck I played was hilarious. Uh, so I played the uh, Grixis Reanimator list, uh, that top aided uh, GP CTAC. Uh, it was the one running red for is uh, yes yeah, is it charm, um, and it was loading up on the careful studies and the hapless research yeah. to get the huge looting effects. Yeah, we were talking about that last week. Yeah. yeah. Yep, exactly. So I decided I wanted to try it out. But then I wasn't satisfied with that much spice. I wanted to spice it up even more. So my sideboard was four Delver of Secrets, four Young Pyromancer, four Lightning Bolt. 
And then to, the cherry on top was three Stronghold Gambit. Okay. <laughs> Which, uh, for our listeners who don't know what it does, it's uh, it's basically the red show and tell. It's one colorless, one red uh, for a sorcery. Each player reveals a creature card from their hand. The player who reveals the creature card with the lowest converted mana cost puts it into play, and then the other player returns their creature to their hand. So, if they don't have any creatures in hand, or any cards in hand for that matter, you basically get to put in a uh, you know a Grizzlebrand for free. <laughs> and it was great, because game three, after I had sideboarded into Grixis Delver... They didn't know if I was doing it to get Grizzlebrand in play, or or if I was going to do it to you know just throw a, a Delver of Secrets in play in order to get around a Chalice of the Void. Hmm. Um, so it everyone was just standing around just laughing at just how ridiculous it was, uh, and <laughs> I I I ended up winning a, a couple matches with it, so I was definitely happy. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah, but I was eventually I was slain by uh, our buddy Ian. He was playing actual Grixis Delver uh, with Deathrite Shaman, and he got Deathrite Shaman turn one all three games. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me, and uh, he took me out. But the deck was solid. I, I, I actually really like just having access to Lightning Bolt in the sideboard of Reanimator because you can just kill all the Deathrite Shamans. Um, so the Isacharms themselves main deck were pretty nice for that reason, but just having access to just more removal in the sideboard felt really good with that deck. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was fun. I don't think it's good enough to bring to like a serious tournament, but if you're looking for something wacky, I, I would definitely try it out. Hmm. Yeah. What about what about you guys? You guys got any legacy under your belt this week? Uh, I haven't I haven't gotten to play any legacy since the middle of October. Wow. My life is yeah. My life has just been ridiculous. The last like six, seven weeks has just been one thing after another. I've been busy, family stuff, like just other commitments. So I am going to be going up to Worcester this weekend. I'm super excited for it. Like I've already talked to the wife. You know, made sure she didn't make any plans last minute so I can go up there and just uh, spend the afternoon slinging some spells and probably getting crushed because I feel real rusty. So good. <laughs> call, call me and remind me because I have some fucking cards for you. Cool. <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to pack up the jeep. Let's do it. What about you, Adrian? Did you play at all? I went... So, no, I didn't play. I did uh, some serious... Uh, I had to pull my reins back a little bit. It, it's uh, it's Black Friday. I started going on a fucking... I was, like, just nuts picking, picking up cards. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, those deals get to you. <laughs> none, of, none of them were at a store. Like, oh really? I I I now have uh, I'm missing three wastelands. Wow! Like I picked up uh, I completed the force of wills. I picked up a wasteland, a couple of fluster storms for the sideboard. Like just the the rest of the cards that I'm looking for, are like three wastelands, and then sideboard cards that are completely uh, easily attainable. I just got to figure out what ones I want to like. You know I'm. I've always had a tendency to play Surgical Extraction in Merfolk, and uh, I don't have any yet. So I don't know if I want to pick them up. It's like cards I'm thinking about are like Surgical Extraction, Hercules Recall. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I'd even want. Maybe a Wipe Away. I don't know. Like, th- none of them are cards that are hard to find. You know what I mean? And then I was seeing, like, some of the stores. I know you posted something up, Jerry, about uh, what Ice Imports was doing a big, um, like, big discount. 
and T was doing big discount stuff. And yeah. uh, I started thinking, I'm like, okay, I've already spent a lot this weekend. Like, I had to, I had to pull my reins in. <laughs> yeah, like, I, uh, I, I paid my credit card bill today. I'm like, oh, man. Uh. <laughs> I, I paid my credit card bill. Uh, I still got to do that. I, I managed to pay the mortgage, and uh, I'll just continue with the rest as it goes. But So, no, I, I almost have uh, – yeah, this really yeah, – I mean – what I'm looking for for Merfolk is so uh, seemingly minimal at this point. Like, I, I, I picked up the set of Force of Wills in a Wasteland. The other three Wastelands are, like, I'm, I'm more than halfway complete in the, um, the what, the heavy purchase anyway, you know? Yeah. Like, Merfolk hits Force of Wills and Wastelands. And, like, if you actually play Flusterstorm. And that's, uh, man, that's a hell of a card. <laughs> it's yeah, Flusterstorm. Uh, people have been asking for a reprint of that for a while. Um, yeah, cards not cards like sixty bucks. Yeah, it peaked out at seventy for a while. I think it was even beyond that. I mean, it, the thing is, it I would say it rivals Flusso Will. Like, yeah, it's it's easier to replace than Flusso Will though. Like, if you don't have the Flusterstorms, you can run the Spell Pierce. And there's going to be the cases where it's not as good, but it'll it'll do the same job. And in some cases, mm. Spell Pierce, you know, Flusterstorm can't counter a, uh, a counterbalance. Oh, yeah, Flusterstorm, well, Swan Song will, but Flusterstorm can't counter Liliana. That's always what I notice. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the other thing, is if I wanted to pick up a couple of Swan Songs. Because usually Merfolk doesn't give a shit about that either. Like... <laughs> But, uh, no, I just, I don't know. I've always had, like, Force of Will could get countered. Flusterstorm is the absolutely said no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was actually on my way home a little while ago, and I was thinking about one of the ways that, uh, it's just this, uh, I don't know, maybe a topic, maybe, maybe for whatever insight this might be worth for you, Pat. I was thinking about it on my way home. Jerry, if you had to class, if you had to, how do you think you would determine a seasoned dredge player um, by just somebody playing dredge? How, how would, any, any anything that you think you would notice the difference on? As in, like, telling the difference between a, a dredge player compared to someone who's not that familiar with the deck? Yeah. Um, it's hard to say, like, specific lines just because I'm not a dredge player myself but you can definitely tell just by kind of their mannerisms like a dredge player is going to be much more confident when they're dredging uh, you know their cards they'll see what comes out of, and they'll know exactly uh, you know what it means whereas someone who's newer to dredge um, is going to be just checking their graveyard more constantly um, they're going to be like forgetting triggers uh, it's it's not really just any one thing. It's just kind of a whole big picture that gives you the feeling that okay, this person is not very confident with their deck. Okay, I, I had a little thought on the way home. And uh, have you have you played dredge? You must have played dredge in the past, though, right, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, I've played it, but I like I've only played it as part of like gauntlets. I've never played it in a tournament or anything like that. Oh, okay. Like I was thinking about it on the way home, and one of the things that stands out to me is 
somebody playing Dredge who's just like kind of sleeved it up and trying to see see what they think and see what they play, or and you can see somebody gets a little overexcited and they lead out with an LED. Okay, yeah. As a, as opposed to playing around days. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they'll do that in order to get the days out of your hand so that they can then break through. Mm, okay. I don't... I, I've seen plenty of dredge players use LED as bait. Well, all right, all right. Hmm. I, I usually try to resolve the LED. Uh, I mean, it it really it depends on what's in their hands because sometimes LED is the most important card you can possibly resolve, and other times it's extra chafe that you can just use as counter bait. Hmm. Okay, maybe. I don't know. When I play LED, I use Faithless Looting. So a lot of times it's just too important. If I can crack LED and flashback to Faithless Looting. Yeah, I mean, that that's best case scenario. But say you have two LEDs in hand, or say uh, you have uh, a land and you want to do Breakthrough, and then the LED is just there to get the Breakthrough to resolve... Um, you know, I've I've had plenty of times where I've countered the LED to then lose the next turn to them going off. Okay. Um, so it, it depends on the situation. I, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, LED is definitely important um, because LED can turn a dead hand into a winning hand. Uh, but there are definitely it's, – it's so hard to know with Dredge because there are so many uh, key cards in there that if they have one other piece – um, if they're not, if you're not careful, you can be countering the wrong spell really easily. Sure. I mean, like I, you know, when I play Dredge, I don't play Icarus myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I rely on LEDs. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I I never use them as days bait. Gotcha. I mean, that's just a testament to the builds, which I think is also very hard for the player playing against Dredge. Is that there are so many minute differences between the builds um, without having a list of your opponent's deck in front of you it's hard to tell which actual version they're they're playing you know there's a discussion going on in the Facebook page right now about you know uh, different types of uh, dredge builds Chris uh, Cheehy's looking for advice about which version of dredge she should build oh really yeah yeah I should have taken a look at that I know I know Jim doesn't have Facebook I actually uh, yeah everyone was saying where's where's Jim not dredge <laughs> yeah well I ended up I ended up uh, so Oh my god, dude! Did you guys all have a good Thanksgiving anyway? Yeah, yeah it was good. Had a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> Did you? Uh, yeah. I, I I live tweeted my crazy uncle's uh, post in. That was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you heard about this, Adrian? Uh, what? So I remember, like, probably close to ten years ago now, that documentary came out that said, you know, we never landed on the moon. It was all a hoax, and NASA faked faked it. Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of the same people who are the brains behind that documentary came out with a new documentary uh, that says the Earth is flat. And that <laughs> <Okay>. we, are, <laughs> we are living in like this sphere that is like supporting us and keeping us up, but we're actually flat. And they presented all this, I'm making very large like air quote signs with my hands right now. Scientific evidence <laughs> proving uh, that the Earth is flat, and my uncle bought it hook, line, and sinker. Oh boy! And my uncle's like one of those cra- crazy right wing uh, people, anyways. Uh, what so, do you mean? What's, what's crazy right wing? Uh, so he like he thinks libertarians uh, are too pro government. 
<laughs> like he's the type who's gonna like have a cabin in the middle of the woods stockpiled with gold beans and guns <laughs> waiting for the end of days <laughs> okay um, so that that's kind of painting a picture of my uncle and uh, it, it, dinner ended with me pulling up uh, Copernicus's uh, theory on the planetary movements and setting up various experiments showing the rotation <laughs> of the earth <laughs> as well as pulling up a Magic School Bus episode that explains. <laughs> Amazingly, it was the Magic School Bus that finally elicited, okay, maybe the Earth might be around. <laughs> you gotta get down to his level, man. That's what it is. Apparently. Apparently, you gotta start, get down. You don't start with Copernicus and then end with the kindergarten. <laughs> show. You're right. That was my biggest, biggest problem. <laughs> you way up. <laughs> I give him too much credit. Oh, man. That's fantastic. There are some people you just can't argue with, though. Like, you just gotta be like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, my God. So, that's to remind me of a. I got into a conversation with somebody one time about. I must have been talking about evolution, and they were like highly religious, and uh, and I guess the conversation must have gone into some point of well, then you know why are there uh, why are there dinosaur bones, and and the result uh, was the like, devil put them there. Obviously. No, it was like God <laughs> the devil put them there to question to question our faith. It was it was the the, the serious answer was like uh, the God. God put them there to test your faith. Oh my God! I'm like I, 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 I would. Okay, <laughs> this, this conversation's over. <laughs> I, we, we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Oh man, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So people got a big kick out of my live tweeting, so I, I thought it was worth it. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Are you guys uh, bigger on like manalist dredge, or do you guys prefer a mana dredge? Um, but I sound like Jerry doesn't really play much dredge. I like, or or maybe maybe which is stronger? Like, what do you think stronger in the current meta? Mana, uh, mana dredge is definitely stronger. If you ask, you know, nine out of ten dredge players, they'll tell you mana dredge is is stronger. It's just manalist dredge is cheaper to put together. And mm-hmm. it also manalist dredge is faster, but it's in the it's faster in the sense that char belcher is faster. I wouldn't say that it's cheaper to put together. I mean, again, it all comes down to build. Like, oops, all spells is cheap to put together, I guess. But like, well, no, manalist dredge doesn't run LEDs, and that's the big price tag. Well, in, in but man- manalist dredge can run force of will. But most manalist dredge does not run force of will. Yeah. Okay. Oops. All spells doesn't either. But like my my thing is like yeah, it doesn't. I mean, well, we're talking I don't just think about so much, dredge. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it's so much about. Uh, I think it's more about the pilot. I really think dredge is more about the. Pilot. Some people do better with manless dredge. Some people do better with mana dredge. Like that's there was. Um, so I, back to this Thanksgiving thing. So I somehow some way I don't know. It must have been about two o'clock in the afternoon, and I got a text message. Now, you guys know. Uh, I went back to a flip phone. So, I don't know, somebody must have sent me a text message of a picture that I can't read on a flip phone because it just won't <laughs> load a damn picture. Right. And I didn't recognize the phone number. So, And then all of a sudden, my phone started getting text after text message. It was all like, picture, picture, video. And I'm like, what the, f- what the hell's going on? And none of the phone numbers I recognized. And then all of a sudden, I got one from uh, Jim Not Dredge. <laughs> and like, it was a, and it was a, picture of a turkey i started getting all these strange turkey pictures his was the only one i could see and uh it was titled like turkey porn it was just this wicked funny little picture anyway <laughs> but i said so i started getting all these texts and everything 
Well, I called him back, and I ended up talking to him for an hour and a half. And I can't remember... Oh, God, he mentioned a really good Dredge article um, that was written a while ago. But And we were talking a while about it. Now, of course, he's played Manalist Dredge. He's played Mana Dredge. He's, he's got a lot of... He's got a lot of insight on dredge theory anyway. Uh, personally, I haven't played Manalus. I don't know how to play Manalus. Um, th- there's different ways. I think there's different ways to play dredge. Some some play it with Nether Shadows and Narc and a lot of the goal is to hit you with these recurring black creatures out of the graveyard. Uh, a lot of times I play dredge more like a combo deck, and I look to get one big, fat, stupid creature on the field and kill you quick. A lot of times when I was playing dredge, the goal was for me to re- um, dread return Grizzlebrand, draw seven, flip the deck real quick, get a bunch of zombie tokens, and recur an Ash Zealot to give everything haste to kill you in one turn. Mm-hmm. Most dredge decks function better than that. Like, they're a little bit more resilient than my explosive garbage. I don't know, the explosive garbage was a little fun for me. But now I forget your original question, Pat. I was asking what you guys thought was better, Manalist Dredge or Mana Dredge? Oh, for me, for me, Mana Dredge. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, right, I which is what I think. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> well, that's just for me. Some people may find Manalist Dredge better. No, I know. I, I said Mana Dredge, too, and then you disagreed with me. <laughs> what I said is it comes down to the pilot. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. You're, okay. <laughs> but, yes, no, I think... I think. Well, well Jerry, I disagreed with you because you're wrong. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think I think it does. You know, mana dredge dredge is just more resilient. So, if you're just looking at one game, in one game, manaless dredge is probably the favorite to win that particular game. But if you're looking to win a tournament, mana dredge is is the favorite, just okay. because over the more games of Magic you play, that's where the consistency comes out. Yeah. Um, it, where it, you just have much more answers to it. Like, Manalist Dredge, games two and three can be absolutely miserable because if they have hate cards like Leyline of Sanctity or Rest in Peace or Grafdigger's Cage, they'll just scoop it up. Because well, they, you got to keep in mind, Joe, you've only been playing Dredge in your gauntlet, right? Well, no. Like, I mean, this is also from experience playing against numerous Dredge players. I've had probably... I would want to say nine or ten manalist dredge players. When I resolve a graph digger's cage or a rest in peace, just scoop up their cards because they can't. They don't have an answer for it. Oh, the manalist guys. Yeah, manalist. All right. So unless they start, unless they're actually playing force of will, and most of them wouldn't, right? Right, and, and most of them don't play force of will. So that's where like mana dredge is better in games two and three, whereas manalist dredge is better game one. Gotcha. Okay. Um, because Manalist Dredge, Manalist Dredge just doesn't have an hit, doesn't have a way to get the hate off the table. It's literally just hoping for players not to run hate or not to draw it in time. Um, why? What, what brings that up, Pat? Interested in uh, oh. playing some Dredge? No, 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 no. I was just curious because you guys were t- we were talking about you know Dredge whatnot, and I just I'm not super familiar with either deck, so I was just curious what you guys thought was better. I don't think that's really my style. I like creature decks. I don't, I don't think Dredge is really what I want to be doing. Dredge is nice because it's one of those decks where it, nothing other than the Lion's Eye Diamonds goes in any deck. So once you put together Dredge, you never really have to take it apart to build other decks. It can just yeah. be that secondary deck that lives in your backpack. And outside the LEDs, too, it's basically cheap, right? It's pretty, pretty yeah. expensive. Yeah, exactly. You can probably put together everything other than the LEDs for, like, between three and $400. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I, think the, I think the whole deck totals 500 with LEDs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And what are LEDs? Like 60, 80 bucks a piece? About yeah. 80. Yeah, so. So it's, it's definitely cheap, and, you know, you, it can win. <laughs> you know, Mano's oh, yeah. Dredge wins tournaments all the time. It's just it's a matter of how prepared people are and how good they are at playing against it. Mm-hmm. it. A lot of it comes down to I was I was talking to Jim about uh, you know he took first with Dredge at the um, at gaming etc. So I was yeah, talking exactly. I was, I was talking to him I was talking about some of his games and one of them you know it, like he he ended up playing against miracles uh, like and he, sounds like um, the guy didn't hit a terminus but like Jim had to keep fighting through containment priest all day. Mm-hmm. Containment Priest, Terminus, Rest in Peace, Graft Digger's Cage, like, he, he was seeing them all, you know, and, uh, but just, there's, there's a lot of different cards that actually make the deck very difficult to play, but the deck can just be so fast, it's just so much, it's, it's fun. Speaking of tournament winning decks, though, I was pretty pumped by the, uh, Legacy SCG results. Yeah, the uh, the junk deck came in first, right? Oh yeah, Thomas Keating. Um, he was actually uh, he's part of the the think tank that Bob Wong put together. Uh, so I've actually been talking to him for over the last couple of weeks about uh, kind of how to implement the deck. Uh, he was going to try and come on today uh, for this episode, but scheduling didn't really work out. So we're going to see if we can uh, pencil him in for next week. Um, but yeah, he, he was saying I was able to pick his brain a bit about the uh, tournament, um, and he said uh, he wanted to run the uh, the Vine Crusher Centaur, uh, but they didn't have any copies available for sale at the SCG booth when he showed up. <laughs> so, so he was a bit crestfallen about that. Um, so what did he play in its place? Uh, just another Night of the Reliquary. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he said overall he really liked the deck. Um, the only thing he he would think about changing is the engineered plague in the sideboard. Uh, he'd probably want to be something else, either you know another Maelstrom Pulse or uh, Toxic Deluge or yeah, just any other removal spell. He just didn't feel, feel the engineered plague was that great. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty awesome seeing him take it down, and then also Bob. Uh, friend of the cast, he he scrubbed out of the legacy, but then he just entered the modern and took down the modern tournament on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so we had we had two members of the think tank win an SCG event this this weekend. That's awesome. Uh, and what was he doing? Something in modern with Grizzlebrand? Yeah, he was playing the uh, the one he ran at the GP. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's with the uh, the green shawl. Oh, nourishing! All right, nourishing Shoal, yeah, nourishing Shoal, Grizzlebrand. So he, he was doing, he was doing Gorio's Vengeance. Yeah, basically Gorio's Vengeance in uh, in uh, modern, and he took it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good job to both of those guys. Um, yeah, looks like 523 players at the Legacy event. Yeah, uh, the Rock came in first. Let's see, it looks like two uh, test decks in second and third, right? Because we said. Test is usually running the passing flames. Is that right, Adrian? Right of flame. Oh, right, right of flame. Right of flame. Right of flames assign a test. They both run past and flames. Uh, okay. All right. So maybe these are both actually uh, ant. Well, you look for see. So the, um, if you're looking at the second place deck, yep. You see cabal ritual. Yep. That's ant. Okay. Uh, ant will run cabal ritual, and test will run right of flame. Gotcha. Usually, usually ant will place better. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, miracles in, four, in uh, fourth, elves in fifth, 
lands, uh, Grixis Delver, and then another Miracles deck in eighth. So, no, 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 I'm surprised, no. surprised not to see any Shardless Bug in the top eight. Yeah, everyone was saying how uh, people were calling for uh, Sensei's Divining Top to be banned because apparently there was a lot of slow play going on. And then, Don't ban mm, Top, oh just no. ban Counterbalance. <laughs> for real. Well, Top is the one that's really eating up all the time. It's not yeah, but it's only eating up the time by the Counterbalance players. Nobody else playing Top eats up the clock like that. Yeah, that's true. I can definitely see that point. I, I totally agree with you, Adrian, on that one. Like, I'm, I'm not big on banning top, but I think banning counterbalance is fine. Although, like, if you did ban top, miracles could still be a deck. No, it counterbalance. Could. Yeah, I think it could still be a deck with counterbalance. You still, no. have, you still have still have a lot of top of the deck manipulation. You have four, you know, you can run four, uh, four brainstorms, four ponders in the same deck. I think, that's eight. I think miracles still be, is still a tier three deck. You, if so. you, yeah, take tops out of that deck. The deck fucking sucks ass. But like the thing is, is you can't ponder at instant speed. Okay, mm-hmm. you can't pon- you can't brainstorm twice in a turn to counter two spells. Mm-hmm. It's, um, but there's no other deck that eats up the clock with a top. Like if you watch twelve post, they don't top top again, top it into turn, top during my upkeep. They don't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the counterbalance deck. And it's really, I mean, and a lot of it's just bad counterbalance players anyway, but... Yeah. The thing is, is, like, it's top... <sighs> what? If, if you if you ban top, uh, Miracle's other option might be Scroll Rack, and, and that's not really an option compared to top, but, like, sc- Scroll Rack and top are the only things that non-blue decks can use to manipulate the top of the deck. That's yeah. the only that's the only thing they can use for any sort of card selection. And, and most of them use it fairly. I mean, don't you really need like a like a good a good control deck in the format though? Like, if you lose if you lose miracles, like it, do you kind of lose control as a yeah. as a deck in this format? It's, no, it no. Well, it it's kind of true though, Adrian. I mean, what other control deck puts up consistent results like uh, miracles does? At the moment, I don't actually understand why there is no shardless bug deck there. I mean, shardless bug like. Anytime I played Shardless Bug, mm-hmm. I loved I loved playing against Miracles. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it's it's not really making that much sense why Shardless Bug is has not been seeing a lot of play lately. No, and maybe it's just uh, yeah. I don't. I, I actually don't know why. It's not like there's anything preying on it in the format. I mean, Agro Agro Loam, uh, aka Punishing Junk, aka whatever <laughs> people want to call it this week. Has good matchups against Shardless Bug, but there's nowhere near enough aggro loam decks in the format in order to make that the reason why Shardless Bug is is not doing well. No, I'm I'm trying to think. Like, is it? I can't think that it's anything with card availability. No, no, no. It's just uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I loved when I when I was playing Shardless Bug. I loved playing against Miracles, and I hated playing against Burn. Hmm. What's so good against? Why, why is it so good against Miracles? Because because you play four main deck abrupt decays, right? Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> and then and, and you're cascading into anything else, right? Yeah. Like miracles like, is all about getting you know incremental card advantage through counterbalance, mm-hmm. and Charlotte's bug just resets that. And I suppose if you're playing Charlotte's agent, like they don't have a lot of threes in that deck, right? Not many, but like so what? You pay three mana for a two-two. That's not the best. But no, but like when, I'm when saying, they, you're going to cascade when, into something else on top of that, right? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, yeah, you're going to cascade into something else unless they try. To counter what you're cascading into, which is can be perfectly fine too. The thing is, is like the creatures in that deck besides Tarmogoyf, you have uh, 
you have Baleful Strix, which draws you another card. You get Shardless Agent, which is going to cascade into another spell, which could be Ancestral Visions. Um, and what? Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, and Tarmogoyfs. But aside from... So just with the Baleful Strix and the Shardless Agent, you can feel free to cast one of your four Terminus. As soon as I fetch, chances are one of these eight creatures is going to come back up and give me something else again. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm, I'm much less afraid of a Terminus playing Shardless Bug. Uh, because my creatures are so value-based. And, yeah, there's really no... Like, whatever I'm cascading into, like, him to Turak... I mean, the, the thing is, is miracles can function as a top deck. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you, can, you can rip the hand apart and they can still play the game because they're using top. But it's um, it's just such a... I feel like at Shardless Bug, it's just a favorable matchup because you're cascading into Abrupt Decay, you're casting Abrupt Decay, and they're not playing Misdirection, so you're doing fine. Yeah, it... it I don't know. I don't think there is an answer. It might just have not have shown up this week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was a there was a time I think and it was just with the delve spells where Shardless. Um, of course, with the delve spells, him to Torak got worse. But there was a time where it seemed like a lot of people were gravitating towards Bug Delver, which I'm I'm just not. I mean, oh shit, Chris Stitson made third place with Mary. I was gonna I was gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Fourth place, fourth. Uh, well, I yeah, don't know fourth. what you're looking. I'm looking at SCG's page. Oh, okay. Where are you? I'm on uh, MTG top eight. It has it has like storm and miracles in three slash four. So I don't know if they like had an, an ID or whatever the case is, but. Well, anyway, so Chris Ditson, and this was down in uh, what New Jersey? Yeah. Yeah. And yep. so I know he went. He must have gone down there from Maine. That's um, awesome. Yeah, he's been playing that for a while now, but. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, I just I like playing against miracles when I'm playing Shardless Bug, but that's just me. I I just I don't think I don't think taking top out of that deck uh, crumbles the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you ever just play and suddenly shut off tops, the deck doesn't function nearly as well. Maybe it doesn't crumble the deck, but it it doesn't function nearly as well. Uh, they rely more on Jace, and they have to float a wear tear to try to stop one and two drops. Um, I think. Counterbalance itself being set up in a format that functions mostly on one, two, and th- one and two drops, some three drops, is uh, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's an awkward card to have in a format, but it's not the end of the world, you know. Mm. I just I don't I don't think banning top is a good idea. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I like banning top in miracles, <laughs> but it it is true. It's like top just gives. Top is the non-blue brainstorm. <laughs> like, it, it's the reason why a lot of these decks that don't play blue are still able to function. Um, because they use top as their way to filter their deck and get selection out of it. So it, it's real rough just because of how much it would hamper, um, you know, non-miracles uh, decks by cutting it out of the format. Like, Pox likes to run top. Uh, run top. Even like ad nauseum, uh, some burn players will run top. Uh, I still I, I liked it in sneak and show. Yeah, sneak and show. I mean, probably the biggest one is like mud and twelve post run top. Twelve um, post is probably the most fair use of top. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they could take advantage of it the most, make twelve mana activate top twelve times. <laughs> um, but it's a. Uh, it's interesting. I don't think it's going to get banned uh, unless it gets banned for the time limit reasons. It's not yeah. because it's too powerful. Like, people saying that, you know, top was... No one 
was on Twitter complaining about Top being overpowered. Right. It's more. It's more just like the the way that it pushes the actual tournaments themselves. It makes them go long. It makes you know rounds last forever. Like it's, well, the, it's the, boring the, to watch. Yeah. The thing is, is I still don't think it's top. Like even if we even if we say it's top because of time reasons, it's only top because of time reasons because of counterbalance. Right. True. Like it's it's not actually the root. The root I think is counterbalance. So you think you think counterbalance is a bannable card then? I don't think anybody else in the world would agree with me, but I would say I've said that too. I, I think that I think that counterbalance would be fine to be banned, but I just I just I'm curious as to what if there is a powerful enough control deck to step into its place because you I think in a healthy format you need a control deck. You just don't need one that's as as OP as miracles can be. It, it's true. I mean, it's not just legacy control as a. Uh, just an archetype has really been fading from all formats. Yeah, um, you know, it used to be the stalwart of Magic. Uh, you know, the first ever Pro Tour, the winning deck was the first ever control deck that where its only win condition was a single Sarah Angel. <laughs> um, so you know, it was like running moats and uh, you know mana drains and all these other cards, and it was just Sarah Angel, one of only win condition. Um, so, you know, Control's just been around since the beginning of Magic, and Wizards has purposely kind of designed away from Control, just because new players don't like Control. They play Magic because they want to play Magic, and Control is saying, no, you can't play that. It's kind of the same reason why they don't design good land destruction cards anymore. It's just not fun for the casual player. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, there are other Control options... Uh, you know, there's still the, uh, in, in the, you know, all the blood, main deck, Blood Moon decks, things like that. Um, those are all, you know, pretty good. Uh, but they're just nothing on par with the level of miracles. Uh, but speaking of players playing really slowly, did you guys see that, uh, Curtis, uh, got a feature match at the tournament? No. I did see that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get to watch it, but I did like hear about it. It's pretty yeah. awesome, actually. And I just realized the phrasing I used. Curtis himself is not playing slowly. He, Curtis, as always, was uh, playing at a brisk <laughs> pace. But I was like screaming at the TV because of uh, the Storm player he was playing against was playing so slow. So slow. And I know me and you, Pat, got into a little bit of a debate about slow play. Uh, yeah. You're saying it was smart for him to run out the clock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> so you gotta you gotta understand. I come at it from like a perspective of just being a game opponent, and also like any any sports analogy, like clock management is a huge part of the game. But I also I concede to you that like you know that is obviously bending the rules in a very negative way in the game of Magic because it's not like you have an equal clock for both teams. Like they both have the opportunity to manage the clock. Like it's really the person whose turn it is to manage the clock. So. Um, yeah, I, I I think that you definitely are you know are right on that. I was just I thought that you know uh, it's if he's like legitimately do, and, and like I wasn't watching it, so I can't tell you how slow he's playing or not. But if he's legitimately activating top or whatever, you know, doing whatever he's doing to slow the game down a little bit to get to turns, I can understand where he's coming from. But you know, the, I think I think I think you're definitely right on that. Yeah, the egregious play that I saw that really got me was right before turn uh, turns were going to be called. He had no play to make. And he was sitting there deliberating whether he or not he should play out his Lotus Petal. And he's sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And then as soon as time is called, then he plays the Lotus Petal. And so it starts turns on Curtis being turn one instead of him being turn zero, which it should have been. 
Um, you know, it ended up not mattering uh, because the Storm player ended up winning in turns. But it just, like, really, you know, boiled my blood seeing, some, you know, a player play that way. That's a pretty scummy thing to do, too, in this game, right? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, like like we said, I think Celso posted up the, you know, the image from the rules. It's it's a mm-hmm. bannable offense. Yep. Like, you, can yep. get, you can get banned from Magic for doing it. Speaking of banned, did you guys know anything about GFAB being banned? Wait, what? Okay, guess not. <laughs> Continue on. I can just say that and then not explain what what happens. I don't have an explanation. I was asking you if you knew anything about it. But like, I what 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 happened? Did it just happen? Like, like where wait, where? I was you asking you. Are anything. you just are you just doing slander right now? <laughs> <laughs> did you guys hear Obama's a Nazi? Did you no? into that? No. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about that. But you know, let's move on. <laughs> it looks like so. There's a. Um, a discussion on Reddit that he got DQ'd from SCG Philly. Is that what you're thinking of, Adrian? Um, no. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Why would <laughs> oh, okay. I? Okay. I, I see... I, I just see a, a thread on Reddit, so, you know, don't give this any any kind of, you know, credence, but it looks like it was submitted, like, you know, about three weeks ago. It just said that apparently Fabiano got, sat down to play a match at SCG Philly and was DQ'd for reasons outside the game. But it, there's no like real explanation as to what as to what happened here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Maybe it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like he got, got DQ'd for something, but I don't know what it was. Mm. Anyway, um, you know who actually really had a, a, a great article, and I'm not really big on this guy because I find him to be a, a little bit grating. But Paulo Vitor Dominarosa, um, at the early November had a really great article on slow play and how it's a problem in the game, and that it's 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 very difficult to enforce slow play um, consistently because if you're watching, you know, because you need a judge who is um, very familiar with the format, understands the decisions being made, and also can be completely uh, uh, unbiased as to, you know, how long it, how long is uh, too long. You know what I mean? Like, if uh, Paulo is taking his turn, he, he takes 54 seconds to complete his turn, and he gets a warning for that, and then his opponent... Literally, the next turn after takes like fifty six seconds, but doesn't get a warning. Hey, how does that work out? Like, why why does it seem so subjective? Um, so, if anyone is looking at that, you know, looking to to find out more about slow play and kind of the issues surrounding it, um, you can check out it. Check out the uh, article on Channel Channel Fireball. Um, it's a pretty good article, actually. I think it's probably one one of the ones of his that I find to be the most interesting um, because he lays out sort of all the problems with slow play and how his own solutions to them. But you know, it's it's one of the things where you have to. Start enforcing that early on in the tournament. It's like slow play warnings. Like people need to be doing that in rounds one, two, and three, and that way it doesn't become a problem in rounds ten, eight, you know, ten, nine, and eleven, whatever. So. Right. Because if you have a slow play warning in round three, and then you get another slow play warning in round six, and then another slow play warning on round nine, um, you know, that's gonna that third slow play warning that's definitely gonna stack up, and they're probably going to you know DQ you or give you a game loss. But if they're not enforcing it early and they just start in round nine, okay, you have a warning round nine. Right. So it's almost like a, you know, get out of jail free card. Yeah. Yeah. And he has, he has some videos up here that too that are pretty interesting. Like one is a, like the overhead, you know, like, um, feature match videos where he's like, oh, you know, this turn I took about 50 seconds and included playing a fetch, fetching, shuffling my deck, casting a spell to maybe reveal a card and passing. It took him 50 seconds and he got a slow play warning. And then his opponent the next turn took 55 seconds. 
and didn't shuffle his deck, and uh, you know because of a fetch land, and it, it was not given a warning. So it's just kind of one of those things that's sort of weird, like any other sport that you know calls that can be um, based on opinion. You know that can be a little bit more. Uh, it's tough. It's it's real hard. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not an easy. There's no easy fix for it. But if you are interested in finding more, you know, more about the debate, be you know around it. That's a good article to check out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's 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 just so hard because it's so subjective and the, it, that's it's the also word. that's the word subjective exactly right and it's also just a, there's a huge difference between intent and you know just playing slowly because yeah. it's a huge difference between like oh you're a slow player and oh you're purposely trying to run out the clock and that's where a lot of ju- judges struggle to differentiate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can definitely see how it's probably one of the hardest rules to enforce. Yeah. So if you guys, I don't know if you guys get a chance, you can check your Twitter feed. I just retweeted something and tagged you in it because this is what I was. I don't know. This is what I saw. But what was the what was the little thing you were talking about, Pat? About DQ'd? Oh, uh, Fabiano. Um, he got DQ'd from a. Oh, what is this? So he got a six month suspension. No, no, no. This is just. Uh, I think this is just touching on your um, what you were just reading on Reddit. What was it you were reading on Reddit? Oh yeah. So it was just saying that. It didn't have any any um, any uh, like details. It just said he was DQ'd from a match, and that was all there was. There wasn't any like details as to what actually happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, never mind. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I wonder. Um, I wonder why it's that happened. Something, so I'm reading the responses, and it's something about showing marked cards. Huh. Um. Yeah, it's something strange. So anyway, there's something going on, and none of us know what it is. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Check out one of those real podcasts who actually, you know, <laughs> learn things. <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah, definitely something interesting going on. I'm not sure what it is, though. Yeah. Well, always, uh, there's always some drama going on in the magic community. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just waiting. I think finally, finally, the legacy is dead debate has finally blown over until next yeah. year. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm just glad for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's still like the whole saffron olives uh, article on MCG Goldfish about the. And actually, I listened to the episode you guys did last week, which was very good. The o, the OG episode, I enjoyed it very much. Um, about the no reserved list um, uh, legacy, yeah. which sounds just. That just sounds like the worst. But um Yeah. You think that sounds like the worst, dude? You should try standard. <laughs> <laughs> I played standard, man. I still have nightmares about it. Um but no, I mean just my, my two cents on it is that it, part of the reason why I think Legacy is such a great format is the ability to to dig up these old cards and play these old cards and I would be very sad if like if Dual Lands got taken away because they're such an integral part of the format. Um and uh, you know, I think that the article, I don't know if you guys touched on this, but I heard it described in a really interesting way. The article was written by someone who is, uh, like, watches Legacy from the sidelines, doesn't actually play the format. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, someone who, you know, just just is observing issues and presenting solutions without actually being well-versed in the format, and which doesn't really ever work out well. So I wasn't a big fan of what he wrote. Um, I mean, I think he's been, he's been killing it lately. He's been writing some really interesting articles, but I just wasn't on board with... Uh, I mean, I think I think he just... I don't blame him. I think he just kind of took on more than he was expecting. Yeah. I mean, um, I think 
his thing was like, you know, at least I'm presenting uh, a solution rather than just bitching and moaning about something. Right. Which it, is which is totally fair. That's totally fair and justified. I don't know, you know, I can uh, understand that. Yeah. I just don't like the solution he presents. That's all. A hundred percent. And I think that's what it was, is like, he was just coming out because like, oh, this is a cool idea I had. What do you guys think? And then the mm-hmm. legacy community was like, how fucking dare Sit you? Down. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I read it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it would be a cool format to like try out as just like a thing to do kind of yeah. like no ban list modern um, or tiny leaders or tiny leaders but it's just like <laughs> as a solution no right. <laughs> and I think I, I think the idea of legendary duels is really cool actually yeah that was the first place I had ever heard about legendary duels and I love that idea yeah talk about like that would be very innovative to print legendary duels. You'd, ha- you'd run one in your deck. You could run the rest as Shocklands. I mean, if you take away the mana base from Legacy, that is the biggest like barrier to entry in this format. Oh, like hands right. hands down. Like it's not even close. Um, I think actually, I don't know if he wrote an article about the mana bases in, in Legacy close. or if there was another one. But you're like hands down, not close. I'd say it's pretty close. No, it's it's not it's not close, dude. I've Jer- seen, Jerry, I've, how long you been playing? Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we'll like say, a decade at least. All right, so we'll say a while. How long did it take you to take to get a tabernacle? Uh, right. a decade. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Yeah, no, but I mean, tabernacles. Like that's not a one of in like some decks. It's a one a, of in some decks. It's not a four of in like you know. Tabernacle is not like you know the four volcanic islands you need for every deck. The four yeah. underground seas you need for every deck. That's you can't say like because there are one or two like hold you know holdouts on that you can't reprint. That's not saying that they'll you know it's it's a barrier to entry. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're most ninety nine percent of decks in Legacy aren't playing Tabernacle, so it's not really relevant. What, you know. What, no, wait. I don't. I think we may have a different impression of what a barrier to entry means. A barrier to entry is like... It, the, the barrier you set to entry is what you've personally decided for yourself. If you personally decided for yourself you want to play Shardless Bug, you created your own barrier of entry. Yeah, I can see Adrian's point in that regard, but for the general consumer, though, for the if someone who's just looking to enter Legacy to try it out, um, Tabernacle is not what they're thinking about of why they're not no. getting into Legacy. Sure, I, I can see what you're you know saying. What? Like, if you want to build right, lands, is, that's going to be your barrier of entry. But as far as you know, problem if you want to play burn, you've reduced your barrier of entry. Right, exactly, and you and you can do that. I, I feel this is just taking the debate in a different direction, though. Uh, right, like tap it, it. It's a generally accepted. I feel almost everyone can agree, other than Adrian, that <laughs> that, <laughs> that dual lands are what keeps the majority of people from building a legacy deck. Right. Well, so let's look at legacy tier one decks with no duels. So uh, uh, let's look at miracles. Miracles. Where are you looking at these? Uh, I just sent you the link. It's from Modern Nexus. This is the article that we I kind of talked about in the cast a while ago. It was uh, it came up back in Ju- end of July. Um, they did the math out on these decks. Um, if you look at legacy prices, um, so miracles uh, with duels overall price is just under three thousand dollars. With no duels overall price is literally half of that. Uh-huh. It's fifteen eighty nine. I mean that's a huge. I mean and that goes down the line. Like Grixis Control goes from over three thousand to under twelve hundred. Uh-huh. Jeskai Stoneblade goes from twenty eight hundred to fifteen hundred. Yeah, so you're talking about specific three color decks. I'm talking about the top. Those are the decks. decks. Yeah, yeah, those are the decks pe- people want to play. So I right. see legacy yeah. tier one deck Omnitel. Right. All right. So what does that have to do with dual lands? It, it, because these are the prices of the decks with dual lands and without dual lands. And if you printed a legendary land that allowed people to have access to a you know a dual land 
that you know had downside as far as like you can't run four copies in the deck. But there'd other be than that, much... no other downside. It's not like right. Shocklands. Exactly, and then they can replace the rest with with shocks, which are you know between ten and twenty dollars a piece. I mean, you're talking about a a format that has a much lower barrier to entry. Like, so if for instance, like my you know me coming into into uh, into Legacy, I started off with Burn and then went into Blue Red Delver. And the reason why I did that was because my barrier to entry was much higher with um, with the volcanics. I knew that I couldn't afford them straight out the gate and sure. wanted to try the format out first. So you reduced not- your barrier to entry. Right, but not everyone wants to get into this into the format with a burn deck. I played it one one um, one tournament and was like, "Yeah, this is not going to work for me. This is not what I want to play." Exactly. And so it would be nice to have to give people you know options to people who can't just like pivot into another deck in in two or three weeks. You know what I mean? Not everyone has that option. So if you want to reduce the barrier to entry, and by, by barrier to entry, we are talking about the money you need to invest in the format to play a competitive deck, and because that's that I think you that's what play. Right, and I think that's what everyone wants to do. Like, people want to play a competitive deck that they want to play, which is usually, like, a Tier 1 or Tier 2 deck, right? I mean, those are... Unless you, like, have some kind of crazy brew you want to work on, I think that is what brings people into the game, mm-hmm. is they want to play decks that are good. They want to play decks that can win. They don't want to be stomped out of every tournament, you know, going 0-2 drop in the in the Pat Ugo bracket. You know, not everyone wants to do that, so... They just want to play a good deck. And I think that if you had a... <laughs> <laughs> If you had, if you had, a that's the deck. name of this episode. The O2, <laughs> the O2 bracket, the O2 drop Pat Uglo bracket. <laughs> if I just think if you had, I, I, I just I think it's a great idea. I think it's really neat. It's um, it puts a new card in the legacy format, which I'm all for. Sure, it um, creates something that's you know sure, would so, seriously you know bring down the prices of a lot of these decks. Sure, and it would go from $800 to $1,500. People would piss and moan and go, oh my god, the buried entry is $1,500. What are you talking about? It doesn't change anything. It's a mentality. You're, I... Uh, a barrier to entry is a barrier to entry. If the deck, let's say, fucking it helps. Charles, it let's helps. Say, let's You're say right. Char- it's a mentality. It's a mentality that people Good, are always going to complain about the prices, but sure. it still helps. So shardless bug goes from thirty five hundred dollars, right? Take out an underground sea, a bayou, and a tropical island, and mm-hmm. we'll say what eight hundred dollars. So it goes to fucking twenty seven hundred. Mm-hmm. And people are still going to freak out that the deck's twenty seven hundred bucks. Of course, yeah, no, no. There's going to be less people freaking out at twenty seven hundred compared to when it was thirty six hundred. No, right, it's the exactly. same people. No, it still helps though. It still helps. It's it's also that push that people can do where they can get into it. It's like okay, maybe they not might not have any dual lands and they're just hopeless on it. But give them you know one or two legendary lands that they can play. Say they're running a three color deck, they can run uh, you know one or two of each of the dual lands. That's a mana base right there that you can play in that deck. And sure. The price still goes someplace else, and we discussed that last week, too. Well, now, okay, Underground Sea, and you can play three of them, plus a Legendary, but now your Tarmogoyf's a fucking 400 bucks. Or your Liliana's just went up to 200 But those can all be reprinted. That's right. the thing. Is like, well, the, what we're talking about is is the, what, what the biggest hit on the reserved list, without a doubt, are the Dual Lands. And if you can do anything to ease those prices, you are making the format more accessible to people who are not invested in Legacy. Period. It's okay if the price, if the money goes to other cards that aren't on the reserve list because exactly. those cards can be reprinted in Modern Masters. Okay, mm-hmm. and as the player base increases, the demand for the card increases too, and the reprints will not keep up with it. it you know, you know, they're not going to reprint fucking the Mind Sculptor in Standard. Is that better than just letting dual lands just get to the point where eventually there aren't going to be any more? Why are there not going to be any more? Because it's a finite quantity. Do they disintegrate? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes. Have you, have you seen, like, Heavy Blade Duel Lands? I mean, have, yeah. you, have you put a Dark Confidant through the wash? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, it, it's a sad fact, but every year, some number of Duel Lands get destroyed, whether they're lost, uh, you know, unfortunately, people's houses burn down, uh, they get stolen, they get thrown away. Shit happens. Okay, and, and so, I don't get it. So the point is that, like... It, the point is, is that out of this whole article, there was a really cool um, idea of creating a legendary duel land Fine. that would certainly ease prices on duels, make it a little easier for people to get into the format, and it would be good for the, it would be healthy for the format. Sure, that's all. It would just push prices up on other cards. But I mean, it, yeah, like any, any, like if you have if all of a sudden you double the, the legacy player base, like yeah, like prices will go up on cards. Oh, look at um, that. Fucking Duel Lands went down to 50 bucks. That's awesome. My but that's the thing is, Legendary... No, hold on. Printing Legendary Lands is not going to push the price of Duel Lands down 50 bucks. It's probably going to mean that Duel Lands just stay the same price. They stop going up. Sure. They it's probably the not going to cause them to go down at all. It just means is that these are a way for people who want to experience the format have a cheaper way to experience it and get into it. And what yes, makes it, it, it's not a cheaper way. Yes, it is. How is it not a cheaper way? <laughs> because now there's a higher demand on Force of Wills. Okay, so there's a higher demand on Force of Will. You know what? Force of Will is an uncommon that can be reprinted at any time. In fact, yep. Wizards of the Coast just did a reprint. Granted, sure. it was a foil reprint that cost you know seven hundred dollars, <laughs> but there's no saying there's no saying that Wizards can't just make a Force of Will printed at uncommon in the next standard set. It's and not then, on the reserve. Yeah, actually, you know, honestly, there is something. Too, like, there is something that maintains it from hitting there. That, whether or not they want Force of Will in Modern. No, okay, that's but, false. No, listen, listen. I have this is something really interesting in Battle for Zendikar with the print of these expeditions. Now, this may or may not be something that they do in every set or once every couple years, but these expeditions are not legal in Modern and they are not legal in le- in, uh, in in Standard. So they are not legal in Modern. They're not legal in Modern. As so in like the, being printed as an expedition does not make them legal in formats that they're not already legal in. Exactly. So like well, they, no, no, no. polluted deltas are modern legal. No, right. you're missing the point, though. It's If Polluted Delta wasn't modern legal, being printed as an expedition would not all of a sudden make it modern legal. Exactly. What, so what expedition is not modern legal? No, th- there's there's none that are modern legal, but the if you look at the, the announcement for Wizards, it says that anything that's printed as an expedition is not... It doesn't create... It, it doesn't create it as a legal card in in form in a standard or, or modern. So right. you're saying, here's an expedition, force a will. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That'd, be a, that'd be an unbelievable way to put some premium, you know, force of wills into. So much of that set, so much of that set, and a lot of people, you know, so, so that would that be any better than what they've done with the judge promo? I yeah, think it would. Yeah, there's a ton more. There's a ton more. Expedi- there's a, yeah, Have there's you seen a, the price of expeditions? They're like super low. You can get you can get promo, you know, expedition polluted delta for about the same price as a foil polluted delta. Yeah. Do you know what that would do for the prices of like if you print it? If you printed an expedition uh, force of will, that would that would ease the prices of force of wills in legacy format. Those uh, those uh, expedition uh, force of wills would probably be crazy expensive. But other the older Force of Wills would get cheaper because a lot of people who have been waiting to upgrade their Force of Wills to foil Force of Wills would trade them in to, uh, in order to get the expeditions. See, I think what I you got, see I got, is this, the gotta, same thing that happened this time was with them being like at first the like that's why I sold my expeditions immediately and got like three hundred bucks for the two expeditions that I got because right now I can get them both for like one hundred fifty dollars. 
So, so you would see like then start off real high, but I think even if you print it out, you know, in a well selling set, there's a lot of boxes that are opened. These are basically the same, you know, um, rarity as a mythic rare. There's so, a problem with them. There's no problem. There's no problem. There is, with a, them. There is a problem with them. Okay. And it goes back to I had to I had to I, I handled a complaint the other day about that whole Snapcast debate discussion that went on so fucking so long. <laughs> the one thing that was always fucking ignored is that they're foil. Some people do not want foils. That's yeah, fine. That's yeah, that's, that's me too. That's fine. So you can still get the older force wheels. It's not like all right. the older force wheels just you know disappear and you, one day. And right? if you don't, and if you don't want the, and if you don't want the foils, you benefit from the depression, the slight depression, or at least um, you know, uh, 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 consistent price of a of a force of will and legacy. If you print something that eases the price on them, it makes them you know less of a. You know, if you need a four of of force will in your deck, you know why? You know why expedition polluted deltas are fucking cheaper now? Because there's a ton of them out there. Because nobody wants them. No, people. No, do. people want them. You're crazy. If you think people don't want them, you're crazy. If you don't, if you have a bunch of polluted deltas, you don't want them. Send them my way. I'll take <laughs> yeah. them. People because want them. If you think if you think they don't want them, you're crazy. You have to understand that these are printed at if just he- below mythic rarity, just below mythic rarity rarity, okay. which means that like all the people who have so they're a little bit of, more common than wingmate rock. No. A they're bit, they're like, just they're just below foil mythic rarity. I think is what Batman to say. Exa- yeah, exa- I'm sorry. Exactly. If, if so people like, didn't want them, they wouldn't be still a hundred dollars. Right. They're right. not but like Battle for Zendikar was a was a huge selling set, and there are a ton of those expeditions out there. Yeah. And they're out. You had two expeditions, didn't you? I did. And you got rid of them quick, didn't you? Oh, immediately. All right, because people want them. No, because I wanted the money. Yeah, yeah. Pat. Yeah. How long did it take you to find a buyer for those expeditions? It, it it took me less than less than a day. Right. Okay. Because people want them. I want yeah. them. Well, then how come I, you don't have them, Jerry? Uh, because I don't want to pay the money for them. <laughs> what do you mean? They're so cheap. They're, those old <laughs> kids talking about. They, they're not that cheap. They're still hundred dollar oh bills in each. So they haven't actually done anything. No. Uh... <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving yeah, on. I don't think Adrian we're gonna get like, to this. Adrian is like the stick in the mud that has like a concrete <laughs> base to it that you will just never move. Uh. <laughs> they'll, they'll bring the price down, and everybody will want them. Jerry wants them. He doesn't have any. no. We're talking the about the originals. Doesn't... We're talking about it brings the price down on the originals, or it at least keeps them from going up in price. I really think reprinting the polluted delta in cons- uh, affected the price more than the expedition. Of course it does. Of course it's it because it's more common. Okay. Yeah, okay. So if you have more, if you have more so copies of something floating out there, so the like it's, it's going to. Hey, Adrian, there's this there's this thing in economics called supply and demand. It's, yeah, right. It's pretty important. And, <laughs> yeah, and there's something called demand, and apparently Pat had no demand for the expeditions he had. You can't though. use an anecdote of one person to mock up the entire <laughs> market. I'm using <laughs> both of you. Oh. <laughs> So one Pat, did you hear that? Say, We're the entire mar- magic market. How does that make so, you feel? <laughs> so one thing I do I do want to say, if you look at the price of polluted delta from cons um, in October, just when uh, when uh, Battle for Zendikar was being released, yep. it has had a nice depression of about mm, uh, like four or five dollars since then. It's uh, been on a steady decline, yeah. and so and that's and that's you have to understand like these are that's, copies of polluted delta that have been going I, up since. You think it's you think that's because of the expeditions? Yeah, yes. I think so. You, you okay? Because you have to understand when you put more copies of anything into a market that has a finite, a finite like there are say people want exactly one million polluted deltas, and they're they're willing just to buy one million polluted deltas, and you all of a sudden. 
have an influx of 100,000 polluted deltas, you you put 10% more in the market. Now, these are numbers that are just pulling it, being pulled out of my ass. Yeah, you're making you shit see, up. You will see a decline in prices. <laughs> that's just, that's just, that's macroeconomics. Uh-huh. You will see a decline in prices. And, like, when these are premium products, like a, like an expedition, you will see an even greater decline in prices. Uh-huh. And I just, I just think that, you know, that they're good for the format, and I think that a legendary dual printed as an expedition would be fantastic. And it would get it would get around yeah, it being yeah, in standard. Now you say that, I want, <laughs> now you brought that up, Pat. Now I really want Expedition Wasteland Expedition Force of Well. Would that that would be amazing, right? And That'd talk about sweet. like it it would you know what? I'd be okay with losing some value on my on those cards. Like like I don't care if I lose 15, 20, 30 percent of my value on those cards because it would get more people in the format. It would make it more accessible for people, and I think it would be health. It would make it a healthier format, and maybe like you'd see more legacy opens. You'd see maybe a legacy pro tour. Like Which, if you make those cards available, it would it would, it could really make the format you know more enjoyable and and let me. What do you mean it would make it a healthier format? More players. The more, the more people you have playing the format, the more the more places you can play. Like we're lucky, and and like I feel like. A lot of, uh, you know, we have a lot of confirmation bias on this podcast because we can catch a game of Legacy any day of the week. Like, within driving distance, all three of us could get a game of Legacy. There are people in other parts of the country who can't get a Legacy game within three hours' drive of them anytime. Yeah. Ever. So, like, you know, we, we see it out here on the East Coast. Like, oh, <laughs> That's yeah, right. I don't talk about modern and standard. Well, like, no, but what I'm saying is, like, oh, we see Legacy as being this really healthy format, and yeah, like, in this area, it's super healthy, but there are parts of the country where you cannot play Legacy. There is no Legacy going on. Um, actually, Corbin was talking about that, about uh, Texas, like, no Legacy, you know, low Legacy out there. Like, they had a, a Grand Prix or an Open or whatever that was very poorly attended because there's just no, there's no demand for it out there. And if you make this barrier for entry lower, if you make these cards more widely available, if you print them as expeditions and get them into the hands of people, there will, this, I mean, it is the best format to play, and there will be people playing this format. Amen, sister. All right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, so, anyway. So what else has been going on, guys? You know what I've been doing a lot of? What? I've been playing a lot of Fallout 4. I bought an Xbox One just for Fallout 4. It's been fucking amazing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's, that's been taking up all my free time instead of magic lately. I, I've never been a Fallout fan. Everyone, everyone just obsesses over it, and I just... I played Fallout 3... And mm-hmm. the game glitched, like, I, I probably put ten hours into it. Mm-hmm. And I got to that town with the atom bomb in it. And I, I went into someone's house, and I walked up to their bookshelf, and I picked up a book. And they accused me of stealing the book in the entire town. <laughs> the entire town fucking came down and they killed me. <laughs> and it just so happened that my game auto-saved the exact moment after I picked up the book. Oh, so... Yeah. Every time I loaded the game, it was at the exact moment they were accusing me of stealing, and everyone killed me. And eventually I got fed up, I'm like, I guess I just have to restart this game, but there's no way I'm putting ten more hours into replaying yeah. the beginning of this game. So I just put it on the shelf and never touched it again. <laughs> it's it's a really great game, like, and it certainly can be a little bit glitchy, but I'm telling you, man, Fallout 4 is, I have like over 25 or 26 hours into the game, and it's it's unbelievable. It's it's actually set in Boston, like post apocalypse. Yeah, I hear that. Boston. That that's it's, that's pretty cool. Uh, so that, I take it take it that makes you guys the Fallout boys. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like the attention to detail is just it's amazing. It's amazing. So, but anyway, that's been taking up all my free time. No, I, I liked it. I I laughed. Nice. Um, I actually just got an oldie out of the closet. I reinstalled Empire Total War on my computer. Oh, yeah. I've never been much of a PC gamer. I've always been console. I was oh, actually... 
I was talking to Jim the other day too about the original NES system. You guys, like, we were talking about fucking some of the cool games. You guys remember Rag? Do you even remember the original Nintendo? Uh, I do, like, my, my brother wouldn't let me play it, yeah. Like, I <laughs> but I was never big in, like, my first, the first system I really got a chance to cut my teeth on was N64. How old are you? I am 30 now. Fucking babies. I know, man. I know. I don't know, man. I served in Nam. <laughs> so you, you can actually, and, and we were talking about it too. You can still take the Nintendo games out, blow the game off, fucking stick it in, and it still plays. Oh yeah, yeah those things will survive an apocalypse. <laughs> you guys have any? Uh, you guys want to do some scoops? Yeah, we can do some scoops. Then I'll probably take another half hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll start off with some scoops. I, I'd like to scoop you, take you two guys in. I thought you did a great job in the podcast last week. It was very fun to listen to the cast without my stupid voice in it. Um, and uh, listen to the OG. Yeah. The OG is doing it right. It's true. Oh, actually, speaking of, real quick, I just wanted to say I kind of liked uh, Adrian's definition of the waste mana. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes sense the way he says it. I mean, I can see both points of view because you know, from what we from what we know is you know you can tap it off a soul ring or ancient tomb or a pain land or anything like that. But as a way of thinking about it, the way it functions, it does function as just another color of mana. Yeah. Because Don't get Pat started. Don't get Pat started. Don't fucking MMA it, you. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing is, I don't like calling it gold because that makes me think of gold cards, which are multicolor. I really yeah. like. I like titanium. Yeah, uh, I thought about that too. I'm like, actually, titanium is pretty fucking dope. I, I like titanium. Oh no, taps yep. taps for two carbide. Yeah. <laughs> Machine shop uh, joke. But there still hasn't been like a there still hasn't been a confirmation from Wizards on that, right? No, no, there hasn't. Which is like just obnoxious. Like they, you would think they like spoil the season would start now, right? I mean, we're that that set gets released in what January? I don't know. So uh, yeah, spoiler season should start any day now. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think wrong. they already have, but every time they come up with a spoiler, you guys are like that's not real. <laughs> no. Oh, actually, speaking of, did you see the new spoilers that came out today? No. We, we can talk about I'm that. Looking at it. Oh yeah, yeah, the fucking pilgrim. Yeah, the Pilgrim, and also the the Red White Land, I think is actually pretty decent. I can totally see that Red White Land um, seeing play in, like, a uh, blue-white-red control-style deck. I was actually looking at the activation cost of it. That's the same as Creeping Tar Pit, right? Yeah, Creeping exactly. That's a black-white colorless. Yeah, oh, black-blue black, colorless. Yeah, sorry, black-blue colorless. Yeah, it's and, and, it, and it's unblockable, but being a 4-2 first strike, that's pretty close to unblockable. That's pretty dope. Um, so I think that Red White Land could definitely see some legacy play. It's definitely the best of the new. Uh, uh, it is funny. Lands. It could profitably block a batter skull. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing it really can't do well against is like Tarmogoyf and Gurmag Angler, but and, and True Name Nemesis. Well, I mean, nothing can really properly trade with a True Name Nemesis. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I think that land. Just saying. Cool. <laughs> that that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that land's pretty cool. I think the uh, uh, what is it, Eternal Pilgrim? Is that what her name is? It was something, some fucking thing. Yeah, yeah like black white. Uh, I mean, she's definitely made for EDH. Like, it almost looks like she should have been part of the EDH uh, commander decks that came out, and they just forgot to include her because um, she just screams EDH. But I can definitely. People were saying uh, in modern, she would see play in uh, modern aristocrats. Um, I, yeah, I would have absolutely no insight on that. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Yeah. I don't even, 
Modern Aristocrats is... Uh, I, it's a, it's a black-white sacrifice focus okay. deck. Not I, quite like a black-white tokens then, huh? Yeah, not 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 quite. I don't think she's good enough. She, her activations are just a little too expensive for Legacy. But uh, she's definitely interesting. I think she's a cool card. Right, you guys have any comments about the uh, the spoilers, or am I just gonna talk about? Them? I I don't <laughs> like any of the spoilers myself. I'm not a fan of any of them. I like that these uh, these wastelands are uh, full art. Yeah, full art wastelands, <laughs> and, and they they tap for titanium. I know, right? It's awesome they tap for titanium. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm getting off this call. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> tap, and, out, uh, Matt, tap out. I'm gonna scoop in a top eight titanium. Oh, God. Can you, can, oh, Pat? Would you play us out tonight? Can it be? Uh, can it be the song Titanium? It's obviously going to be that. Song. <laughs> I'm Titanium. That's I fuck that's that shit. That's for you, listeners. <laughs> Blowing out speakers around the world. Ah, uh, yeah, that's my uh, that's my impression of uh, Anna Kendrick. <laughs> yeah, play the Anna Kendrick version. <laughs> Okay, we'll do. We'll do. Jerry will put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Oh man. Um, but that yeah, that's my only scoop. I'll scoop you two guys in. You guys are great. Thanks. Oh, and, and Curtis too for having having a good show the other week. Yeah. Last week, week before, feature match and all that stuff. Good on him, man. Good on him. Awesome stuff. Playing fucking Enchantress, making people miserable. I love it. I saw in, on Facebook he posted that he managed to tap. Yeah, that's, uh, a good, that's a good point. How many legendary duels would go in Enchantress? Uh, one or two, maybe. I don't know. It, it runs like a Savannah or two. So that's the other thing with. Le- All right, we're getting back on this. The other oh, thing with gosh. legendary <laughs> uh, legendary duels is there's a couple legacy decks that only run one or two dual lands, and having that legendary just means that they don't need to pick up that dual land. Uh, you know, like Charbelcher, Enchantress, um, things Char- like... Charbelcher doesn't need a dual land. Yeah, it does. It needs the Taiga. No, it plays a Stomping Ground. Okay, it can run it. Yeah, but I mean, don't you think they would run a Legendary Duel instead of the Stomping Ground? Why? Because there's the T- chance... T- to- activating belt until they hit a mountain. Yeah, but sometimes they play it. Sometimes <laughs> they play it to get started. <laughs> because they so they need to... Uh, uh, there's there's that card that finds it. They, they actually play that land belt- out. Belcher, yeah, Belcher's irrelevant. I mean, it, it can play Stomping Ground already. Yeah, but it takes two damage by playing the Stomping Ground. All right, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have reopened this can of worms. Never mind. Yeah, let's <laughs> move on. It's Belcher. It doesn't oh, care about two damage. It sometimes it does. It's it's maybe point zero zero one percent, but that point zero zero one percent could be the difference between victory and defeat. And I think what you were look, talking about was land grant. Yeah, land grant. And uh, what's how often you play Belcher? Uh, what, why does it matter how often I play the deck? I know what the deck does, I've played against it, and I've played with it. Yeah, okay, sure. Good. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, alright, I'm scooping in Gaming Etc. again, because they got me my sweet, sweet tabernacle that I can't wait to sleeve up and play with. Uh, also Tom Keen for, uh, you know, winning Legacy in New Jersey. Uh, awesome seeing the deck do well again. Uh, also, obviously, Curtis. I'm scooping Pat uh, because he scooped me in, and I feel obligated to scoop him in as well. <laughs> I'm in the O2 drop bracket, bro. Oh, uh, yeah, O2 drop bracket. That's where I live. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's good for me. What about you, Adrian? Who you got? Uh, all right. I should, I should probably start with this because I keep fucking missing it, but I'm going to scoop in the U.S. Postal Service. Good. Right. <laughs> yep. 
Um, I closed out the other P.O. box. I opened up a new P.O. box, so if anybody wants to actually send any comments, um, comments are going towards the St. Jude Children's Hospital, and they can be mailed to Leaving a Legacy, P.O. Box 331, Southbridge, Massachusetts, 01550. Um, so that takes that off my fucking mind now, because I kept every week, I'm like, damn it, I forgot to mention it. Um, so that... Uh, scoop into, into fucking top eight. Kyle, he started watching Sons of Anarchy and started realizing how boss that fucking show is. Um, Jim Not Dredge and my buddy Flip and Tony at G2 Games and uh, TJ's finally fucking finished paying for my collection. So <laughs> fucking everything's fucking straight. So <laughs> Don't have to break no kneecaps. <laughs> no, I'm just... Uh, but there's really there's no fucking magic store out here. There's one like next town over and shit, but it's uh they don't really do much legacy. So I gotta get back to T E and do some legacy, but first I gotta find three more wastelands. Kyle, uh Flip, Jim, Tony at G two and uh and TJ's Oh, and the fucking Team Tusk. Because I was watching the little stream the other night and I was talking to Jim about that too. That's a cool place to check out some legacy stuff. They do the 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 games and the decks that you see are so cool. There's so much innovation that goes on down there. It's wicked cool to watch. Um, so yeah, I was watching that the other night too. So there's, uh, yeah, there's my scoops. Very nice. Right. Awesome. Well, play us out with some sweet, sweet titanium, Pat. <laughs> you can email us at leavinglegacymtg at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Mathematrixter at JMEE3RD or at Pat Uglo. Thanks for listening. Remember, play fast, not loose. You shot it Cause